Good evening, friends and family, and welcome to A Safe Space Radio on Radio Free Brooklyn. I am Phil McCracken. And I am Horace Dongle. <laughs> I am Francis Hall. You're listening live, if it is 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on March 20th, 2021. Uh, Lucas could not join us today, but we do have a song pick of his that we'll be playing uh, a little later on the show. We're going to do more of a mix of talk and, uh, and music today. I was thinking, I was about, thinking about something called the Marshmallow, marshmallow Test. test. Do, you know, do you know what this is? Uh, the Marshmallow Test, you said? Yes. It was a, an experiment to, uh, that was that was developed at Sanford University around 1972. I forget who who it was that, that was doing it. And basically they, they went to children and they said, you can have this marshmallow now or you can wait 15 minutes and have two. Hmm. So it was to see, it was a test on delayed gratification. Well, I was one of the kids that was experimented on in this. And, uh, but in my case, and, and, I'd, and I'd say I was probably one of the early groups because I think I was around seven or eight years old. So that would have been 72, 73. In my case, the person conducting the test uh, first did a lot of questions and stuff about uh, learning, learning about patience and savings and, and this and that and, you know, understanding understanding the importance of savings and so when he when he offered so he offered me this you know small size fun size as they call it now candy bar Mm -hmm. fun size which is also what i call my penis and rather than small anyway this fun size candy bar (laughs) that i could have now or i could have a full size candy bar a day later so this is a full day's delay Mm. and uh so even though i wanted that fucking thing right then and there i wanted to at least make it seem like i learned something from this fucking guy so i said i'll wait until tomorrow for the for the for the for this regular size one the son of a bitch never came back That's why I don't have any savings as an adult. <laughs> you taught me the wrong thing. You <laughs> fucked my shit up. It's like, okay, now I'll spend anything I have now. Spend everything now and uh, learn not to trust people. <laughs> learn not to trust people, that too. Oh, Lord. Oh, that's terrible. And I don't know what happened to the guy. <laughs> There was no gratification, not delayed. I really do think it, that that has something to do with my not being very good with money to this day. Mm. Man, that's terrible to do that to a kid, man. I know, right? And I was always being chosen for experiments and shit. I remember one at, I think it was at NYU, and I was in this room. And uh, there was a person across from me, mm-hmm. and there was a mirror to my right. And I asked, is that a two-way mirror? Because it looked like a funny mirror. And, <laughs> and they didn't know what the fuck to say. 
So I put my hands, you know, I put my hands next to my face and went against the glass. And I could see these people behind the two-way mirror, like, fumbling and shit. And, like, <laughs> they were not ready for that kind of shit. And then I just went on as if, you know, they weren't watching me. Or maybe, maybe I'd, I, I, I remember, like... Okay, it's a two-way mirror, and then okay, now what do we do? And but the, I'm sure the, that fucked up a lot of the, whatever their experiment was. Serves them right. I didn't get my candy. I don't care if it was different people. Fuck them. <laughs> you, you you needed your gratification. There, that's that's their fault that uh, that you caught on to their game. <laughs> yep. So Calvin, you had your second shot. When was that? Uh. Last night, actually. Uh, like, literally 24 hours ago. And you're not feeling too hot. You want to... Uh, everybody's system is different, but you want to give us a hint of what uh, what we can be looking forward to? So, at, at least in my case, I've been, I've been feeling really, like, low energy, very sluggish. Uh, my muscles have been uh, feeling kind of tight. But that also may have to do with the fact that I spent most of the day in bed, so there may be that. But uh, I've, I've had this uh, has headache that's uh, been lasting all day, and it's, and it's it's funny. It's a headache that kind of started when I got the first shot. <laughs> I guess it's like a weird like um, front of her, front of your uh, frontal lobe headache kind uh, kind of feeling, and then just. Just tired and not feeling not feeling very energetic, but it felt like um what sucks today looked like a really nice day, but i had to I had to chill out today but, uh, uh you a Pfizer guy or a moderna guy uh Pfizer okay because right, my mom got the moderna, and I know the side effects are also different between whether you you know it's it's I've heard that the side effects for the second shot are are worse. I don't know if mom knows that. I don't know if I should tell her <laughs> if that's going to make her more anxious. Right. Uh, I don't know. I'll, 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 I'll consult, consult my, sister my sister on this one with Nancy. with Nancy. Okay. But I think um, I believe my older brother got the Moderna vaccine, and uh, that one. That one to like just straight up took him out for the day. Like basically, he had flu symptoms for an entire day. the The day after, he was fine though. Yeah, moms were not that bad. Not that bad. Uh, you know, soreness in the arm area where the shot was didn't feel like having dinner that day until she started eating. And once she started eating, she was fine. And then the next day, yeah, a little sluggish. And uh, and she did say, worth it. This is an 88-year-old having side effects. So, folks, if you're wondering about it, worth it. Yeah, my my arm does kind of kill, though, today. <laughs> but then again, it was, uh, they gave me the second shot in the same arm as the first one. So, that, so my arm's probably not very happy right now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where's my goddamn candy? <laughs> We're going to play some of my brother's music. 
if you could get <laughs> take stuff from work <laughs> queued up. All right, got it right here. I had mentioned this song last week, and you know I hadn't been playing. I don't think I've played King Missile music ever on the show. I, I don't think I have, but uh, it's because I, I was I was I was mad at my brother. <laughs> I was mad, but because he wasn't. He wasn't visiting mom enough. He's visiting mom enough now. He comes, uh, he has a, a little guitar, a very little guitar. It's a ukulele, actually. He comes and he mm-hmm. plays a plays his ukulele and sings to her, and it's really very nice and very sweet, and it is helping her. Awesome. And uh, we mentioned Take Stuff from Work. I'll talk a little bit about it after, about something related to this afterwards. But this is from his debut album, Fluting on the Hump, 1987, John S. Hall, music by Steve Tunney. Take stuff from work. Take stuff from work. <laughs> he took and an entire goof off on the company time. I he really entire, did write that during work. Took an entire desk from work. They didn't notice. I got I paid to write this my song. Apartment. <laughs> I saw <clears throat> a sitcom not long after this album came out, or it might have been some time after, and they t- totally stole. They they stole from him. Uh, this guy was uh, leaving his job, and it's almost exactly in the sequence. He starts stealing pens, starts stealing paper, starts stealing this. And I'm like, this is so much like take stuff from work. And then actually literally stole a desk, stole his desk. And I'm like, they just, that 
was my they just stole the idea. They just wow. up and stole it. Stole from him. When I was uh, I, I worked for King Missile uh, one for a number of months on the Happy Hour tour. I was the merchandising person, sold the sold the T-shirts and the CDs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know, maybe about 10, 15 days into the tour, my brother asked, so how much are you stealing? And I said, I'm not stealing. I'm not, I don't, I'm not stealing anything. And he said, Frank, or he probably said, face, face, I'm your exploiter. You're supposed to steal from me. Didn't I teach you anything? So I started stealing. stealing. (laughs) And I I stole a a total, you know, just not that much each night. And it would depend on, like, if there were a lot of sales, then I'd steal a little more. I stole a total of $2,000. And I used that to produce my one and only record, Here Kitty Kitty. which I recorded in 92 and I think I'm going to officially release next year. So, you know, recorded in 92, released in 2022, 30 years. I got, I'll get around to it. I'm going to look for a label. I was just, I I gave up way too quickly on looking for a label because I listen to the record now and I'm like, I like this. This is good. I can get this out there. Why not? I did put it out on, on the show, on this show. So, question: You might know the. Should I take that off the internet before I look for a label? Mm, I'd probably, I'd probably at the very least hide it, uh, hide it temporarily until you uh, you're able to uh, find uh, find somebody to release it for you. Cause, yeah, because uh, who's going to buy it when it's free, right? Exactly. That was exactly what I was going to say. I mean, hell, you can. Um, you can publish it yourself. Um, you sign up for a performing rights organization, um, register, register all those songs on your PRO and sell it on, uh, sell it on from, through like CD baby or Bandcamp. You know, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <sighs> I, I, I think, I figured I, at the very least I'd throw it out there. <laughs> no, like, uh, John, you know, my family has been very grateful for what I have done this year uh, in in my care for mom and and I've, I've yeah I've sacrificed a lot and and uh, and he's he's been asking what can I do for you so so this is that's gonna be it I'm gonna say you find me a, li- a label for this album you're, you're in the music business and you're an, an entertainment lawyer find me a, a label and protect me. Well, that seems fair. That seems fair to me. <laughs> do you know about... I'm, I'm thinking now more about the fucked up things psychiatrists do. The Milgram experiment. This is something in 1961. Uh, Yale, Harvard, one of the big ones. And they wanted to do an experiment on people following orders. So they would have a guy who was uh, dressed like a doctor... Mm. And and they would have people uh, think that they were applying a shock to a person in another room. So you know the doctor would say, "Okay, press this button, uh, and it's going to give a mild shock to a person in another room." Mm-hmm. And the person would go, "Okay, now," and then it would get hot, like 
bigger and bigger and bigger until like the person is sounds like they're just screaming in absolute agony mm. and uh you know it was to see it was to see how far a person will go uh when they believe they're following an authority figure it's a fucked up thing <laughs> interesting and also slightly terrifying yeah yeah, man, 60s and 70s, psychiatry fucking thing. They were doing some fucked up shit. I guess I guess they had to do all the uh, all the fucked up work to be able to do the good work that they're doing now. Well, that's why that's what I'm trying to tell myself. It that just sounds <laughs> that just sounds fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I re- recently learned about some shit that uh, that the CIA was doing called MK Ultra, and I'll talk about that another time. I have to do some more research on that before I'm ready to talk about it. Okay. But uh, I am going to ask mom. <laughs> <laughs> just, what do you know casual. about this MK Ultra stuff, mom? Just casually actually, bring it up in conversation. <laughs> actually, the way to get mom to to you know give away cia secrets just to say it like a make it a statement like like i like i i once said to her well you know the cia and the mafia they were often working together she's like yes <laughs> that's confirmed check thanks mom oh man he told me about that one before that that's still that still has still greeted me. <laughs> yeah, and then the time I, I've told this before, but it's worth retelling. The time that Nancy got mom to uh, basically tell us that yeah, the CIA is opening people's mail. Um, did I not tell this story? I don't remember this one. Okay, oh so goodness. we were we were at a restaurant. I forget. Uh, I forget what type it it might have been a russian restaurant and and mom says yes this cooking reminds me of so and so at the cia it was it was a russian person working at the cia maybe not a russian but anyway it was someone that you wouldn't expect to be working at the cia mm. and uh nancy was like oh well what did so and so do and mom said, I didn't answer. And then Nancy waited until mom had a second drink and said, Oh, you were about to tell us what so and so did. She goes, Oh, yes, yes. In the morning, he would go to, uh, it was at that time called Idlewild Air- Airport. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and, and he would, uh, get certain mail, certain pieces of mail. And bring it in the back and, and uh, steam it open. We, they, they did it just the old-fashioned way. It was just a, a teapot. And they would steam open the mail and see what's in there and reseal it and return it. That was his job. I was wow. like, oh, so that's, that's, that's just a federal offense. <laughs> it's not a federal offense if the feds do it. See, you're not, no one's, you're not allowed to do that. CIA is not allowed to open <laughs> mail. Not then, not now. I mean, just because you shouldn't doesn't mean they didn't. 
I mean, yes. Uh, must be nice to be able to bend uh, bend laws to your will, or just even better than that, ignore them. The, yep. <laughs> ignore them outright. Yep. <laughs> so I, uh, this was an interesting thing that happened earlier this week on Wednesday. Um, I was on on uh, Bleecker Street, and uh, I hear someone behind me saying very loudly, uh, "Keep it up." Or bring it down, or, or leave it, pull it up, or leave it down, you racist motherfucker. Saying it very loudly. When I hear something like that, you know, someone very angry near to me, uh, first thing I'm going to do is move away from the situation, uh, which I did. I walked about a quarter block forward, and then I crossed the street. Next, I'm going to check out, see, turn around, see what's going on, see if there's something maybe I can be helpful with, or is this a just keep walking situation don't worry about it so i i turn around and uh and i discover that the person who was being yelled at was me uh there was a man sitting in a chair uh by a table asian american man and he was staring right at me and middle finger fully extended hand fully extended middle finger out there um and uh i didn't know what what this was about I turned so I turned right back around I kept walking and I was trying to think of what I did and of course tensions are very high amongst the Asian community there's a lot of fear there there's a lot of anger as well there should be uh, there should be anger There, there, there should not be fear we should not be a society that that uh that does that that makes people feel that way because of their background. It's 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 wrong. It's terrible what happened this week. It's terrible what's been happening this year. This whole thing with Trump calling it China virus and this disgusting Kung flu. So what I figured out was uh, I, I had been smoking a cigarette. And when I smoke, you know, of course, I don't have a mask up. And when I pass a person, if I'm getting near them, you know, I pull the mask up. My thought is that he saw me pulling my mask up and thought that it had to do with him specifically being Asian while I was passing him by. That's the only thing I can think of, given his words, Mm. uh, exactly what he said. And um, there was part of me that wanted to to explain to him... uh, that this is, was a misunderstanding and how you know horrible personally I feel about what happened that the day before on Tuesday yeah. and this whole year. But it seemed to me that then what make him feel bad? I I I, I think that I think that he had ang- justifiable anger in him, and if it made him feel better to yell racist motherfucker to call me a racist motherfucker. If it, that made him feel better, got something out of his system, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Um, he was probably, I don't know, I wouldn't say half my size, but you know, I built myself up to be a pretty big guy this past year and a half, and he was definitely smaller than me. So it, took, it was brave of him mm. to, to do that. And, you know, in his mind... 
he stood up to a racist motherfucker that was much bigger than him. And I, uh, and I decided, let, 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 let's let him have that. I mean, given, given, given a situation like that, they, yeah, that was, that was probably the, uh, the, the, the high ground to take there. Like, Engage, uh, engaging with somebody with anger, whether misplaced or not, could cause even further tensions. So, um, I feel like you did the right thing on that one. Just, uh, just let it slide. Yeah, and just, yeah, and just call me smaller than me doesn't mean you can't get obsessed, to be honest. <laughs> um, I think, I think about the news report of how this guy, uh, how this guy just like blindsided this. This uh, this old Asian woman, and uh, punched her in the face from behind. She found the biggest stick she could find and whooped his ass. <laughs> really? Had... Ambul- ambulance came, got stick kept... and and just kicked his ass. Whooped his ass. <laughs> like she had, she had a couple of cuts and bruises. Dude was bloodied. She bloodied wow. that dude. <laughs> Yeah, I think I did the right thing, you know, just in general, walk away from a very tense and angry situation for, just for self-preservation. And and also because, you know, I, I think, like I said before, it, may, it might have just gotten something off his chest. Yeah. It's a horrible situation. It's a, it's a horrible, horrible situation to, to be in. But at the same time, it's even more horrible to know that you have a target on your back just for existing. Mhm. Yep. So sometimes you have to you have to kind of kind of weigh the circumstance. I want to make sure we get Lucas's song choice in here. Ooh, yes. This is "I Miss You" by Blink One Eighty Two, released in two thousand four, and uh, and Lucas wanted me to. S- this is I don't know if this is related or not, but she said he said to to say, quote, sending a safety on me unless your name is Francis or Dahlia or you're a doctor is officially a hate crime. All right. Here it is. I miss you. Blink 182.
Before I continue, uh, I want to make a quick apology. It looks like my internet gave out for like a good thirty seconds there, so I think the I don't I don't I don't think it was that much. Okay. I was I looked up everything was fine. I uh, went to make sure the uh, check the time on the on the song. I looked back up. You were completely frozen, and my and I got a error message on my computer. I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. <laughs> but we're, we're, we're back on the air. It was a hiccup. It was a little hiccup. Okay. Uh, we are on the air and you're listening to a safe space radio on Radio Free Brooklyn. Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 corporation and your contributions to us are completely tax deductible. You can give to Radio Free Brooklyn at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. And Nancy is listening. She said five seconds at most. Oh, okay. Oh, good. Oh. <laughs> it feels so much longer when you're in it. It, it really it does. It feels so much longer. <laughs> it really does. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yes. Uh and we would appreciate you helping out Radio Free Brooklyn at uh, RadioFreeBrooklyn.org slash donate. And uh, going to do a little bit more music right now. Uh, I asked Nancy what uh, what her favorite King Missile song was. And she, she had a few that she liked. But she really likes How to Remember Your Dreams. This is from the 1990 Mystical Shit. The 1990 album called Mystical Shit. And this uh, actually was with mystical shit is when they went from King Missile Dogfly religion to just King Missile. Uh, Steve Tunney had left the group to to do his own thing, Dog Bowl, 
and uh, totally on, you know, there was it, it was it was totally no bad feelings there. Okay. Um, but this song was, uh, I think, the only one on Mystical Shit that was written with Steve Tunney. Uh, and here it is: How to Remember Your Dreams. The chorus, here kitty 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 kitty, was uh, my brother's uh, best imitation of my grandfather Hall, uh, who was able to do it so fast. He was like, here kitty kitty, I can't even do it, but it was here kitty 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 kitty. And and John said like, my goal for this song is to be able to do it as fast as grandfather Hall, and he gets pretty close. We're going to do a little bit more music. When, uh, when um, 
Lucas first told me he wanted to have the song Miss You, I immediately thought of Miss You by the Rolling Stones. And I was like, wow, that's a great song. I Miss You, Blink-182. That's the first time I heard it. I really liked it a lot. But uh, now, I, I, now I have to hear and share. This is from uh, 1978, Mick Jagger, Keith Richards. Miss You, Miss You. And I do miss you, Miss You.
Damn, that holds up. Holy hell does it ever. Oh my god. Like, they were... Everybody in that track was in just in the pocket. Whew. I was feeling the bass. <laughs> I was... Uh, the drum, it was, it was the drums for me. Mm -hmm. I just, oh, and the, uh, and the electric piano, um, whoever was on the, uh, the electric piano was, uh, was grooving too, man. And that sax solo, I had to look up. Yeah. Yep. I had to look up who, um, who did that sax solo because it sound, it sounded a lot like, um, Lenny Pickett from Saturday Night Live, but it wasn't Lenny Pickett. It was a saxophonist named Mel Collins. Who's uh, who's worked with the likes of Eric Clapton, Bad Company, Dire Straits, Mary Ann Faithful, Roger Waters, Tears for Fears, among others. You're perking up. Music does that for you, doesn't it? It really does. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't want to be that guy that's doing King Missile stuff and doesn't play <laughs> detachable penis. I don't want to be that guy. We're not playing Creep tonight. <laughs> 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 so uh on on the album mystical shit there was a song called uh, jesus was way cool and it did extremely well on the college circuit and caught the attention of atlantic records and uh so john might not say say jesus jesus got designed to atlantic records <laughs> from uh 1992 the album happy hour john hall roger murdoch dave rick Chris Zephos, here is Detachable Penis. Complete. 
People sometimes tell me I should get it permanently attached, but I don't know. Even though sometimes it's a pain in the ass, I like having a detachable penis. Talk about stealing, by the way. Some of that concept John did steal from me. <laughs> I didn't use the terms detachable penis, but I used to often joke, you know, I'd be at a party or something, and I'd say, damn it. And John would say, or whoever I was with, would be, what's wrong? What's wrong? I said, there's this very nice looking person over there, and I forgot my penis. <laughs> 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 and jokes along those those lines. Oh, that's good. What I'm I think about that song and I think about the fact that I I heard about it like probably around like maybe 90 like yeah, 1998. Like this like now mind you back uh, this is back when I'm in junior high school so I'm like like all of like 12 years old and i hear a friend perfect time to hear that song <laughs> so i hear i hear a friend of mine and just singing the chorus just, just casually singing the chorus detachable penis i'm like what the hell is what the hell are you talking about he's like it's a song i heard it this song uh, the song talks about guy lost his penis and the chorus goes detachable penis so for like a few weeks i just just casually heard like a friend just say detachable penis <laughs> it, it wouldn't be until a few years later um uh in high school till uh, when i actually heard the song and it, it was exactly what i expected and it was delightful <laughs> yeah and it was a a, a moderate hit it was a, what they what they call a moderate hit. I think it reached number twenty five, uh, and um, not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. So of course, Atlantic was happy with that. Uh, and um, now, when you when you have a sort of a novelty song and and a moderate hit with it, you're going to get a lot of people coming just to hear that song. Sort of like you know. Uh, how creep wasn't yep. the kind of music you know but and 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 bands take different approaches to to this kind of success some bands like i'm not going to play creep uh, <laughs> or or they will save their hit or moderate hit or hit or towards the end, the end of their, their set set so that people, so that people will stick around for it john took a totally different approach 
um, he would put detachable penis very early on in the set uh, so that people that were just there for that song could leave and the people that were there for the band could have more space to enjoy the music. Hmm. Now, most people wouldn't do that. And, and I'm sure it pisses off a lot of bars and venues that want to sell more alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, it worked. A lot of people left. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it kind of, it kind of, kind of shows you who like your, your real fans are like, who's, who's actually there for you and not just that one song you did that they really liked. Right. But, but it also also kind of also kind of bugs me out to think like you would you would spend money for uh for the cost of an entire show and just wait for one song and just keep moving must be must be good to have money like that damn <laughs> yeah yeah it must be uh i want to play at least one more rolling stone and if it's going to be one more it's going to be she's a rainbow from the Satanic Majesty's Request album of 1967. It's just such a pretty song. It's just such a it pretty is. song. And, I, and yeah, we do have time for it. So uh, if you would be so kind, I think this is going to be our last song of the evening, and then we'll chat for a little bit. Uh, She's a Rainbow. Dressed in blue See the sky in front of you And her face is like a sail Speck of white so fair and pale Have you seen a lady fair? She comes in colors everywhere She calls her hair 
around Like the sunset going down Have you seen the lady Pharaoh? She comes in colors everywhere She combs her hair She's like a rainbow Coming colors in the air Oh, everywhere She comes in colors Such a pretty song. It's a gorgeous song, man. <clears throat> and again, just the 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 musicianship there. It's just incredible. And, and I think about like music now with with just a, a lack of like organic instruments. It's all mainly production and very little playing. Like I, this is just absolutely refreshing in the midst of everything else, you know. It's so, it's so different from anything they've done before or, or since. It's it's very different. It's very pretty. Like I, I keep I keep coming back to that word. It's a pretty pretty song. I love it. Um. Okay, so one thing I want to mention we don't have a lot of time left is what I learned from that racist motherfucker incident is I need to be more aware. And more sensitive, I need to understand that a, a gesture that seems to me to be innocuous can be taken in a wildly different way. And especially these times when, when, when fear is so high and anger is so high, I have to be more careful. Uh, and, and, and I think it's a good, I think I learned a good lesson. I think I learned a good lesson from that experience to, and I'm just going to repeat it. Something, just a gesture from me that may seem to me to be completely innocuous and actually kind, protecting other people, the way it's done, who it's done in front of, what, whatever expression I may have, I, I don't know. I need to be more aware. And that's a good lesson to learn. Uh, something we can all learn. Just a little, a uh, little bit of mindfulness. Uh, uh, con uh, subconsciously and uh, otherwise, just yeah. Thinking about it, I never would have, never would have. Just, uh, just a a, ran a random gesture, like you're, like you said, you're trying to, um, avoid blowing smoke, in front, uh, in front of him, which would probably would have caused another set of problems but kind of one of those things that kind of felt like a, a no-win situation ultimately but something to definitely keep in mind for the future yes yep i like learning things and not getting my ass kicked in the process of it <laughs> isn't that wonderful man <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> I was going to do uh, 
a reflection on some of the show titles that we had for this past year during the lockdown, but I, I'm only going to give you one, and that was one of my favorites early in the lockdown. The show title was Get Away From Me and Wash Your Fucking Hands. <laughs> <laughs> Some true words to live by. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Calvin. I appreciated that. This was fun. It was yes, a yes. nice mix of uh, talk and music, as as I had hoped it would be. Uh, thank you all for listening in. Thanks again to Nancy for real time feedback. Yes. Thank you, Nancy. We will be back next week. Uh, live show each and every week. Remember, folks, what I always say, show yourself some love and show some love to those around you. Good night. <laughs>